The other thing that allows us to be a little bit careful with is trying to assume intent. You know, yep. when you're when you're just observing behavior, I shouldn't say just, but when you're observing behaviors, you're not necessarily adding adding the qualifier. You did this because you hate that guy. Right. Right. <laughs> which which might be true. <laughs> Examined, explored, and simplified. It's the podcast designed to help you be a more effective leader. Welcome to Leading the People Side of Business with Todd Averett and Todd Chandler. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the most difficult part of providing feedback as leaders, and that's not actually the giving of feedback. It's the observing of feedback. It's very easy to find advice out there about how to frame up feedback, how to share it in a way that the person's most receptive. But feedback's all about observe and comment. And most of the help out there is around the commenting part. And there's not much around the observing part of it. So tonight, Todd and I are tackling how do you observe behavior and what do you look for in that? How's that sound for you, Todd? I think this is going to be great. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's kind of a little challenging thing that's happened over time. You think about the industrial revolution and managers once upon a time, it was very easy to observe and provide feedback. Are, you know, are you cranking out enough widgets in time? And if not, how do we speed up that productivity? But as we've moved to more of an information society and more knowledge-based workers, it's more and more difficult to figure out what is it that we're going to concentrate and spend our time observing. Certainly when we're in a meeting with uh, one of the people on our team, that's easy enough to do. We can certainly assess their writing skills, but there's so much more to jobs today. And I just thought it would be helpful to really kind of start with that question of where do we look? How, how do, what do we look for when we're trying to observe opportunities to provide feedback? Yep. Well, you know, Todd, one of the things I was thinking about earlier as we were thinking about this topic was the fact that this is yet another one of those mindsets that have to shift when you are put into a manager role, right? Right. So you, you move from this position where you're thinking about yourself all the time, <laughs> right? In terms of how am I going to get my stuff done or how is this going to happen? Who do I need to partner with? Whatever, all good things. But when you become a manager, it suddenly becomes important for you to start paying attention to how members of your team are performing. What kind, you know, what are they saying? What what is their behavior? And so part of this is is a mindset shift to say, well, you know what? I I need to be paying attention to this. This is part of my job so that you could start opening your eyes and opening your ears to pay attention. Sure, because that real improvement of that feedback loop is being able to provide specifics around what you've observed and being able to share that. You know, I think instantly to uh, one of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride, and uh, mm -hmm. there's just a, a great running gag there of the uh, dead pirate Roberts taking on Wesley uh, onto a ship, and every night he says, good work, Wesley, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. And I thought, <laughs> you know, it's just general feedback that's not very actionable. You can't do anything with it. And so how do we find those right things to be able to provide feedback and find that right rhythm, and what is it that we're paying attention to? Because sometimes people will, on our team will come and ask us for feedback, and it's that deer in the headlights like, well, there, you didn't do anything wrong, so I don't really have any feedback to share. And I think that causes us as leaders sometimes to get 
uh, I love this phrase, observationally lazy, that yeah. we're, we're, we're not paying attention to what's going on around us and we're not actively seeking opportunities for feedback. Yeah, that's right. So one of the things that I talked about in a workshop last week with some folks that I was working with related to coaching and feedback was the simple, simple idea that I'm sure we've heard many times, and that is as we're observing, really what we're looking for is at least a high high level understanding of what the situation was. What was was this a project discussion? Was this a meeting? Was this a interaction in the hallway? What was the behavior of the person that you, we are observing? What do they say? What do they do? How did how did they come across? And what was and this is an important piece of this? What was the outcome of that behavior? And how did that impact the situation? How did that impact the relationship? And so I I found that to be helpful. Shorthand, Todd. Sure. Um, to help take some notes on you, right? So right now we're in this, and I, I'm making this up, we're in a project meeting discussing project timelines. Right. And uh, Sally is making some comments with some suggestions for how they might calculate the timelines based on how much work each deliverable is going to take or something like that. Sure. And the way that she is presenting herself uh, is helping clarify the issue. It's bringing out some very good points and she's being very direct, and it and it is allowing them to come up with some very realistic timelines, right? So sure. that's kind of the situation, behavior, outcome. And then once you have kind of thought about it in that way, you can then go back to Sally and say, "Here's the situation I observed. Here's what I saw you do, or what I saw you say it, or saw uh, saw your from you in terms of behavior. Sure. And here's what the outcome of that was. Sure. And, and I think that might be a helpful kind of I don't know shorthand framework that we can use as we're observing. You know, I tend to want to, and I think this is the the learning and performance professional in me coming out. I always want to try to break that down into greater skills, thinking about communication skills, thinking about in, impact and influence, thinking about creativity or initiative and drive. I love holding it at a higher level, kind of, and by that I mean more general level, of just describing the behavior. Here's what you said, here's what you did, because that doesn't necessarily equate to the, when you when you start talking in those skills, you can almost kind of get into a score mentality of you could be more creative if you had done this, as opposed to simply saying, here's the behavior observed, and here's the outcome that came from that. That's right. And, and I, I do think, Todd, there, there's probably times where it's very appropriate to have a skill discussion. But I, I would arf, offer that that could be in the context of what you observed. Totally. Right. So So given this behavior and given this outcome, you know what? You might want to consider working, and I'm just speaking those presentation skills, for example, or your influence skills so that you really can read your audience more clearly and know what some of their key issues are prior to you uh, starting your discussion or something like that. Yeah. Well, and what I like is when you focus it on the behavior of here's what took place and here's the outcome that happened, it's a nice debrief to say, is that the outcome that was ideal for you? Or is there an outcome that would have been better for you if so, what would have behaviors have happened that would have made that differently? How could you have achieved that different outcome? And then that starts to lead down the pathway of the skills as opposed to providing feedback around the skills to start off. Yeah, that's right. The other thing that allows us to be a little bit careful with is trying to assume intent. You know, yep. when you're when you're just observing behavior, I shouldn't say just, but when you're observing behaviors, you're not necessarily 
adding adding the qualifier. You did this because you hate that guy, right? Right. <laughs> which which might be true, <laughs> uh, but but you're you're adding your own kind of judgment around intent, and it's just hard for us to get intent right, right. in terms of judging people's intent. And that's why having this kind of discussion allows them. To, to help think through it themselves. And frankly, they could share with us what their intent was. Oh, I didn't realize that when I said this, this person kind of turned off or whatever. Right. Um, that, that can be, I think, a helpful framework to have that dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. I just watched last night a book review video on YouTube, and it was of Peter Drucker's uh, Managing Yourself. And uh-huh. uh, one of the tips in there of what he offers in terms of providing feedback for yourself and constantly growing is to write down your outcomes in advance. And he kind of talks about, you know, a nine to 12 month time period. So what are the outcomes you want to achieve in the next nine months and, and write those down? Because then when you hit that point, you can go back and review that and say, did I achieve those outcomes? It seems to me like that mindset could be applied in leadership situations. And we keep talking to a meeting and maybe we need to branch out to other examples of where we could do this. But in that same framework of a meeting, it would be very simple to sit down at the front end of the meeting, somebody on your team and say, now you're going to be presenting this topic or this idea during this meeting. Describe to me what the ideal outcome will be and have them talk that through. And then you kind of have a common score ground of what you want to do. And you can even challenge that and say, is that really what we want to achieve or is what we want to achieve something more along these lines? But you've got an agreed to scorecard beforehand. And then when you come back out and have that discussion and that framework of talking through the situation, the behavior and the outcome, then I think you can measure the actual outcome to what that ideal outcome was on the front end. Right. Right. You know, another framework that we can use, and let's, to your point, Todd, let's maybe change the situation here. So let's say it's not about a meeting, but let's say someone's reviewing with you a PowerPoint, right? They're getting ready for some uh, one-on-one kind of discussion with a senior leader, and they'd like to get your feedback on a PowerPoint. Something to consider there. It's not not exactly the situation behavior outcome model exactly, right? They're, They're seeking your feedback on a spreadsheet or a document or something like that. And some tools I found to be helpful in terms of observing there and helping people think through things would be, well, let's start with who's your audience? Uh, What are your audience's uh, uh, background on this topic? What are their concerns? What are they expecting from this discussion? Uh, What assumptions are you making? And what was your intent and how you're providing this information? And all of that essentially just asks people to kind of evaluate their thinking. Yep. And that can help you help provide feedback on their product. Yeah. And um, I found that to be a pretty good universal model, regardless of what the document is. Sure. Well, and that framework works if you have the opportunity to do it pre-sharing of right. the document, but you also sure. have the opportunity to share it post-sharing the document. So if that's right. know, they went ahead and had the meeting or shared that or emailed out something and got a different outcome than what they expected, you can still work through that uh, same process. Tell me about your thinking as you crafted this. What, who, who did you see as your audience? What assumptions did you make? What was the intent that you tried to provide? Now that you've gotten a different outcome than what you expected out of that, what would you go back and do differently? Yeah, that's right. Um, and so another, you know, another set of things that uh, we can pay attention to as we're observing uh, is in the realm of emotional intelligence. And we've we've had podcasts about this before, but I do think that there's 
there, there is something to be said about observing uh, the folks that we're working with in terms of do, do they seem to have an understanding uh, when they're wound up, <laughs> right? Sure. When, when they're stressed, uh, when they're dealing with conflict, and how how their behaviors change when they're stressed or in conflict. Do, do they seem to have an understanding of that? And what, what what when there's a situation like that, when they get wound up in their behavior, uh, and do they have an understanding how that impacts the outcome? Similarly, um, do they have the ability to kind of read the audience, right, or read the group that they're with, whether it's a project team, or whatever? Um, can they have a sense for how the team is feeling or how individuals are feeling on their team? And do they uh, make adjustments so that they are recognizing those those concerns or pausing to address them, whatever it might be, rather than just plowing on through? So I do think one of the areas that we can really help our people with is kind of observing those those emotional. Um, I guess the emotional control of, of individuals themselves, as yep. well as recognizing it in others. Yeah. And behaviors are still the gateway into those yes. conversations. That's because right. Because it's observing the behaviors that are indicating that. And so if if you're sitting there and you're watching somebody and you're like, man, they're really, they're really bowing up with what's happening right now. They're getting tense and they're getting defensive. That's important for us, the leaders at that point, to take a step back and say, what behaviors are telling me that this person's getting defensive? I may make the snap judgment that they're getting defensive, but if I can start to then codify or capture some of the behaviors that are indicating that to me, that's a much less threatening way to have that conversation on the back end. That's right. And that's and, and because they are specific behaviors, people can adjust, you know, they can make adjustments. Right. They can think about it. They, oh, right. oh, when you say this, this is what you mean, right? This right. is the type of behavior. Right. Uh, I think there's a similar opportunity, Todd, where we're talking to our folks and observe them in terms of things that, that they do that either uh, build or weaken credibility. Right. Right. So if a person, and this is this is a characteristic I know well, if people are are constantly apologizing, right, yeah. for whatever it might be, how. Um, can we help them understand what that behavior is and how it might impact their credibility based on the reaction of folks in that project team or whatever it might be? Right. Um, what are those things that they do or don't do, say or don't say that help them build that credibility in terms of how they how they come across or the level of confidence they have in a communicating idea or how well that they have prepared for a discussion or that kind of thing? You know, I, I think people are. I, I don't know if I would say that use the term desperate, Todd, but I would have to say with many of my clients, there's just this great desire to be credible yep. and to know if they are credible. Right. And therefore, as leaders, I think that, that could be something that we can do is observe those types of things that build credibility or destroy it and be able to give specific behaviors that we think are helpful for them to parse that out. Well, and I think specifically around that credibility, there's there's two easy qualities that come to my mind out of that. And one mm -hmm. is, are you adding any value or are you not? And it, it's a little right. oversimplified to, to break right. it down into the, are you a consumer or are you a producer? Are you, are you actually adding value to this whole process or are you just kind of taking through it? Because it's not always necessarily taken, but are you, have you figured out a way to add value? And it doesn't mean 
you know, it's the, the old joke of a, a horse or a camel is a horse designed by committee where everybody adds value and you got to include everybody's sure. value uh, to get it um, on there. But I think even by raising a question or creating a discussion, even if that idea isn't implemented, did you help solidify somebody else's idea by taking the conversation in that direction? So did you add value is one easy way. And then I think the other part of it is, did you add friction or did you smooth the, grease the wheels a little bit? Did you make it easier to go through that or did you create more difficulty as you were going through that? And that's been one of the ways that I've really tried to figure out when I disagree with the situation, how can I vocalize that in a way that creates less friction. And uh, so I think those are very easy things that play into the credibility factor that you can get a little bit more specific. So when you did this, everybody else around the table seemed to react very negatively to that. Or when you don't speak during the meeting, uh, what does that do to your, your credibility? It doesn't seem like you had much value. Yeah, that's right. Uh, another domain that perhaps we can pay attention to is do when, when when people are in a in a meeting or uh, working in a project team or even working in a project, how much of their activity is focused on their own activities and their own needs versus considering other partnerships? Sure. Oh, you know who else might be impacted by this? Uh, John, what do you think about this? Oh, or uh, well, you know what? I already talked to Joe and he has a need that's such and such that we need to take that into account. And, and we can certainly observe that in terms of how people are participating in project teams or thinking about the emails that we receive or watching people participate in other kind of discussions. That, that whole notion of collaboration, uh, team focus versus uh, individual focus, all of those types of things we can observe behaviors and then provide examples to our folks about. Yep. I love that. We, we've talked a little bit about quality of work and you know are you adding value or are you building credibility as you do it now it's more an interpersonal level than necessarily a product creation of actually creating a deliverable you know mm -hmm. another area that we have to provide feedback as managers on a regular basis is timeliness and you know did, was there a sense of urgency acted on this was this completed within the right amount of time does that situation behavior outcome model work with something like timeliness or a little bit with quality, or is there not another model we need to use when we're assessing those skills? Well, I think, I think it does work uh, when we frame things up in terms of the situation was there was a timeline that was established for this time, you know, this time frame, this, this date, yep. the behavior was they worked very hard to remove barriers they kept people updated on project status. They um, did what they could to shorten the cycle time to complete it. And, um, you know, all those types of things that contribute to the outcome, which was they met the deadline or they didn't meet the deadline. Yep. So, so I think that model can be used. I, I, do, say, I do think um, timelines are one of those things that really have to be clear in terms of setting expectations. Yep. And I know we've talked about that before, but that's a great example of how um, unless we set those expectations really clearly around things like timelines, um, we have to be careful about providing feedback on them unless people are clear that that's the expectation. Yeah, absolutely. I just have to share a quick personal story around that. I mentioned earlier sure. that I took my family to the airport today, and so it was my wife and 
three of my kids and uh, it, we're sitting in the driveway in the van, <laughs> my wife and I and our two daughters, and we're waiting for my son. And we are never waiting for my son. He is always the first one out the door. <laughs> and so I turned to my wife and I was like, did you tell him what time we needed to be going? And she goes, no, I think I just told him what time the flight was. And so that that's a perfect example of how we really yeah. do have to be very clear because it was very clear to all the rest of us. My wife and I had that conversation around that. And because she'd had that mind, she'd backed it out on it, but because she'd only communicated in flight time to him, not the actual time we needed to leave the house. It was a different expectation for what he could deliver. Yeah, that's a great example. Uh, you know, something kind of going back to one of the things you said at the beginning of the podcast, Todd, you talked about how a lot of times we're observationally lazy. And I think that's spot on. I think part of that's human nature, right? We're tired or we're going from one thing to another. I do think, though, that part of the role that we have as a leader is to be the opposite of that. And I don't know what the perfect opposite is, but some, something along the lines of a, an activist observer. Yep. And that's part of what's in our job description, right, is to be an activist observer. We're observing the things we've talked about on our podcast. We're looking at the situations. We're looking at behaviors. We're identifying what the outcome was. And then, and there, I, I think there's an important loop close here, and that is uh, not only should we be observing, but then we should then take the next step and then provide that feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's one thing to, to observe it, but I, I'm a big proponent of not, you know, saving it up for the annual performance review, but rather, you know, provide that feedback as quickly as you can so that people can find it to be helpful. What a great term of activist observer. and. Being able to provide that feedback on an ongoing basis when we're sharing good things we see and pay attention to means that when we're offering coaching or the other side of it, it doesn't feel like it's out of the blue. So I think that's really a nice thing to do. And I guess, what are some tips that we can do to become better observers day in, day out? Right. Well, you know, for that, uh, Todd, I'd like to recommend um, an article that you had sent to me. It's called Observation, a Critical Leadership Skill by Andrew Cox, and he had uh, 10 behaviors and habits that he proposed as critical for developing accurate observation skills. And I'd like to just quickly go through them. One yeah. is the ability to size up people and just have a desire to do people watching. And I thought that was interesting because that's actually one of my favorite things to do. If you, know, if you go to an amusement park or a place where there's a lot of uh, people just Watching people is fascinating. So <laughs> that's one piece. Another piece well, is... And I just want to yeah, catch off right there because I think it's one thing for us to watch and size people up, but can we take that to the next level and say, if this person were on my team, what behaviors would I be paying attention to? What behaviors is this person indicating that are giving me some read one way or the other about how I'm sizing that person up? I think it's really critical for us to say... What are we seeing with those behaviors? And if we can start to practice, even just in our own head, articulating what those are that we're observing. Yep, I love that. Um, a few other skills that he yep. mentioned, a couple of other behaviors. He talks about curiosity oh, yeah. and just being really curious about, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why that person did that. Yep. Or I wonder why they said that. I love that. Listening skills, you know, so at least... Uh, one of the things I find sometimes is that um, I turn that off yep. when I'm tired. <laughs> well, and those two skills really go hand in hand with each yeah, other, Yeah, right? they do, So don't that they? when we are observing something and we're seeing somebody present an idea that 
we think is stupid or hasn't thought through or just contrary to what we believe, if we can come and approach those from a mindset of curiosity and use our listening skills to understand more, uh, then it's a chance for us to learn something new, but it's also going to make the other person more receptive and more willing when we're wanting to share our viewpoint. Yeah, that's right. Um, a few other a few other things here. Uh, willingness to set aside personal biases. You know, this is related, at least in my opinion, Todd, to what we had talked about earlier, and that is we quite often start assuming intent. And uh, this, I think the message here is to not necessarily assume intent here as, as we're observing, but rather focus on the behavior and then have a dialogue to find out what their intent was. Right. Um, a willingness to seek the inputs of others, asking other people for their perspective. And I, uh, that's something we haven't talked about yet, but I do think that as we're observing, it is a wonderful approach to ask other people what they observed. Right. Uh, well, you know, you were working on this project. What did you observe about how uh, Joe participated on the team? What What did you observe when there uh, was a challenge with deadlines? And use that as an opportunity to uh, calibrate and to see if there were other things that we just missed because we were not in every uh, interaction with that person. Yeah, I think that's a perfect thing. And particularly, it, it's amazing sometimes to see how people can interpret the same behaviors very differently. So that's why it's very helpful to get multiple points of view on that. Yep, that's right. Uh, another one here is being comfortable with ambiguity. Yeah. That, one's, that one's a juicy one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, being uncomfortable with not with not knowing everything, with um, not being a hundred percent clear, perhaps on the situation, uh, or um, not quite sure what the outcomes are, uh, and still being able to offer, still still focusing on observing what you can, right, uh, and then ask, asking lots of questions and listening. Yep. Yep. Uh, and another key piece, and we've talked a little bit about this, is understanding the basics of behavior, yep. right, and. You know, what, what are some behaviors that are helpful? What are behaviors that are less helpful? Uh, and be able to talk about it, articulate those behaviors uh, in, in a way that's helpful as opposed to, well, you know, you just don't really communicate very well. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's just not helpful, right? Right, right. So th those are some of those things. Another thing, I'll add maybe just another one. Another one that uh, he mentions here is um, self-knowledge, which is to say knowing how our own behaviors and attitudes uh, impact other people. Yeah. And so how, how we are contributing to that meeting may be impacting <laughs> the situation and impacting the behavior of other people that are there. Right. I never really thought, you know, I've, I've been viewing this entire conversation from the mindset of a leader observing others, but how often do we take the time to try to articulate our own behaviors and, and in essence kind of step outside of ourselves and observe our own behaviors from the outside in. Um, you know, we know all of our intentions. We know uh, uh, the goodness we were trying to achieve, but do we ever take a moment to take a step back? I, I had a recent example about two weeks ago um, in a meeting where I, I upset some, I, I, I was really, it was a situation, they had a point of view, I had a point of view that was uh, very much opposed to it. And I was legitimately trying to understand their point of view. And I asked the question, what is it that you like about that? And they, they snapped back at me. And so afterwards, <laughs> I went up to them and I just said, I, my, I really did want to understand what was coming on. What was it that, 
that I did wrong there in that situation. And they were like, your tone, it was so condescending. And I was like, oh, that's great feedback for me to get. And it was a behavior that I hadn't seen myself and couldn't figure out uh, what it was. Because, well, what is it that you like about that comes across very different than, tell me a little bit more about it. Was it to Right, right. <laughs> and so while my intention was there, and I was really trying to take a moment to pause and to get their point of view, I hadn't been able to hold back where I was really thinking the idea was. And so that was helpful for me to understand that behavior. And I think that's when we can get it to a whole new level is when we can start to observe our own behaviors in the moment and course correct. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I was just thinking uh, where, where that I think would be helpful for me is um, if if I find myself getting flustered or frustrated or, or, or not contributing in the way I'd like, help pausing for a second and saying, now, how did, how did this happen? Yep. <laughs> you know, what, what's the situation here? And what, what did I just say? Or what did I just do? And how does this seem to impact what's going on here? And being able to reflect on that uh, might be helpful, I think. Well, and it even gets back to thinking about what is the... Out- so we're, we're down a path now differently than what I anticipated. So now what's the realistic outcome? <laughs> and and, and what, is, what is my ideal yeah. outcome? And what are the behaviors that I need to do to be able to get to that outcome? Yeah. And I, and I think, Todd, for, for us individually as leaders, this goes back to us asking for feedback ultimately, yep. right? Yep. So so we have to hope that as we are being activist observers, that other people in the room are too, yep. right? And so that because they are also activist observers, we can confidently ask other people for feedback saying, hey, what do you think about this? Here Here is uh, what I did. Here's what I was trying to do. Uh, here's what it seemed to me was the outcome. How did you see this? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, listen as we've talked about earlier, and uh, see what we can learn. Yeah, I love the notion of becoming an activist observer. Like I picture like getting like a special little deputy's badge. Maybe right now <laughs> I'm just a junior activist observer. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. <laughs> as as we wrap up here, Todd. What is one thing you see that you could do in the next couple of weeks to become a stronger activist observer? You know, I think for me, I want to think ahead of time about what I want to observe, uh, who, who Ooh, I want yeah. to observe, yeah. what I want to observe. And so whether I'm, whether I'm working on a project with a client or whether I'm in a dialogue with a leadership team, what, I, what I'm going to be looking for and I think that will help me be a little bit more effective and focused on my my observation. I I think that's great. I think the the key thing for me is, and I, it it'll be in meeting situations because I think that'll be the easiest spot to do it in. But to sure. pick one person that I have, I I just have never had feedback conversations with, and not that I will necessarily have a feedback conversation with, but really zero in and just practice on observing their behaviors. Um, one, I think it'll help me connect and, and see them in a different way, but it will also, I think, provide me some opportunity to see some skill sets that I find in others that I'm like, I want to do the way they did it. Yeah. Well, you know, just building on that, you could, you could identify somebody that you really admire yep. in, in terms of how they contribute and spend a whole, you know, spend a whole meeting, if you will, if you're in that, in a meeting with that person observing, what do they do? What do they say? How do they contribute? What, what is it they do so well? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and how does what they do so well seem to impact the outcome of the discussions? Yep. I love it. This was a, this was a good conversation to think about. And I think that observing side of the feedback equation is so often overlooked and such a critical part. If you don't get that right, it doesn't matter how great of a conversationalist you are because you're talking about the wrong things. 
That was a fantastic topic. You get an A plus plus <laughs> double plus. <laughs> oh, very nice.